Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Hello and welcome to Mama Mia Out Loud. It's what women are talking about three times a week. I'm Jessie Stevens. I'm Mia Friedman. And I'm Holly Wainwright. And on the show today, why does everybody suddenly seem to have main character syndrome? And best and worst of the week, I have big news. Clickbait. The Out Louders are going to be so invested. Threw it down. And I, I, have... ne- I nearly got a divorce, so we'll talk about <laughs> that too. There's a few exciting things coming up in best and worst, but first... One of Australia's best swimmers has pulled out of Olympic trials, so basically burning her chance to compete at the Tokyo Olympics. And while doing it, she's flipped all the tables at Swimming Australia with a tweet that read, Let this be a lesson to all misogynistic perverts in sport and their bootlickers. You can no longer exploit young women and girls, body shame or medically gaslight them and then expect them to represent you so you can earn your annual bonus. Time's up. Oh, wow. Tell us what you really think, Maddie Groves, I say. <laughs> That's awesome. Anyway, her decision and her statement has shone a blinding spotlight on Australian swimming and a culture that, Groves has said before, is not healthy for the athletes, especially when it comes to body image, health and sexuality. So a few things about Maddie first. She's 26. She won two silver medals at the Rio Olympics in both Butterfly and in the Medley, which I believe is that one where people do different strokes. Jessie, I'm looking at Mm, you. I believe you're my swimming and tennis correspondent. I like swimming. Yeah. She suffers from endometriosis and something that I hadn't heard of before, which I'm sorry about, which is called adenomyosis, both of which are all about your reproductive bits, basically, and and giving you very severe period pains and, and buildup of tissue in the uterus. Last year, Maddie posted a few tweets that elicited a response from Swimming Australia about feeling uncomfortable with someone on the squad team. She, This is in November last year. Can I just say that I definitely made a complaint a few years ago about a person that works at swimming making me feel uncomfortable the way they stare at me in my togs and I think they've possibly been given a promotion since. And then... A couple of weeks later, she tweeted, whoa, guys, this may have worked. Next time you have a weirdo stare at your tits and your complaint falls on deaf ears, try tweeting about it. Oh, wow. I missed that. So Swimming Australia at the time said that they'd reached out to Maddie to inquire and she hadn't given them any more information. So there's obviously some tension between Groves and Swimming Australia. And speaking on the Today Show this morning, the CEO of Swimming Australia, Kieran Perkins, said he had absolutely no evidence to corroborate Maddie's claims. I don't know who she's talking about or what the complaint is apparently meant to be. He said, I actually have no evidence and it's really quite concerning. In terms of the culture in our sport, that is something that really does stab at the heart of everybody involved in swimming. We're a sport that has generationally been diverse. 
Really, Kieran? Every team has always had an even number of male and female swimmers and we work extremely hard to provide an open and safe environment for everybody. It doesn't mean we always get it right. There have been challenges, but I would disagree strongly with that view, presumably Maddie Groves' view. Well, that's very interesting, a man telling a woman that she shouldn't complain about having a tit stared at. Uh huh. So I want to know, we were talking about a different sportswoman a lot last week, um, Naomi Osaka, who was speaking out about a very different issue, but that's something that she found very troubling in her sport. We've also seen this week Adam Goods refused to become a part of the AFL Hall of Fame because he's basically saying, I'm not going to play along in this culture that, you know, treated me so terribly. What are we seeing here in terms of a shift in how athletes are viewed Swimming and tennis correspondent Jesse Stevens, take the floor. I think last week there was a prediction by one of you. I think it was me. That said it won't be long before, was it swimmers? So it was, Mia (laughs) said, when we were talking about Naomi Osaka, Mia said, what if swimmers start complaining about being objectified in their swimsuits by camera angles? uncomfortable with body image having to walk Mm. to the podium and then take their track suits off and I said I think we might see that happen soon and look and it did happen I accidentally got way too deep in the comment section oh good because I was really interested in seeing what people thought and obviously this statement was released and it was you know quite explosive I think late last night was when she originally talked about it the comments don't look at them they're horrible there are so many people and almost all men from what I could see saying I bet that she just couldn't pass the drug test and that's why she's pulled out and pretended it's about this she just wasn't gonna swim very well and then all this stuff about oh we don't care that much about swimmers bodies look at x or look at why, or like oh someone God. who they didn't think traditionally had a very kind of athletic body. I just want to, sorry, just really quickly jump in and say that Maddie Groves in her statement as well, like in the more official statement rather than the tweet, she did express her support for the team and said, we're going to see amazing swimming this year. They're great. I don't hate swimmers or swimming. Like she did do that. Just wanted to put that out there in case it seemed like she was shitting on everybody. Exactly. And she absolutely wasn't. But the reality is we don't know all the details right now and I'm sure there are many reasons for that. There will hopefully be an investigation into whether that complaint was formally made and what the complaint said. But for some people's first instinct to be, to call her a liar or to say, wow, wow, someone looked at you and your swimmers well, is that's so what disgusting. men have said. Yes, exactly. And, and I think... We that, need more men telling women how to feel about being objectified. Exactly, because there's one thing, right? There's standing on a podium about to dive into a pool and this is someone who's won silver medals. She's used to that. I oh. think it's called a starter's block. Not a podium. I called yeah. it a podium before. <laughs> yeah, a starter's block. But you're block. meant to be the swimming correspondent, <laughs> so I block. feel let down by you. But when they – that's one thing. Another is a woman knows when they're being looked at, right? There is someone who's, you know, yeah. who oh, – eyes go everywhere, but you know everyone yeah, – women know the feeling of someone looking at your boobs in a, in creepy a sexualized, way. creepy yeah. way. And the other thing I found interesting when I looked into this was that there's a new uh, documentary called Head Above Water, which is an Amazon original documentary about swimming. And uh, I haven't watched it, but I've read a little bit about it. And a lot of people have said they were struck by the amount of male coaches in swimming. And I thought about it. I did swimming as a kid and, you know, have mates who have done it. 
never come across a female swim coach. It's very male dominated, especially mm. given how many women are incredible swimmers, how many women young are women. young women are, you know, representing Australia. Quite and yet, like gymnastics. Yeah. It's men coaching women. There's a lot of yeah, that going look, on. And we don't want to make it seem like we're casting aspersions on all male swim coaches or all male gymnastics coaches. But I've got the gymnastics thing in mind too, because a lot of gymnasts all over the world have come out and spoken about actually being sexually abused because they are children and they're very vulnerable. And and that um, documentary came out, Athlete yeah, A, about La- Athlete Larry Nasser. And of course we had the Larry Nasser case where hundreds of American gymnasts came out and said that he sexually abused them and it sort of happened in plain sight pretty much. What's really interesting to unpack or complex to unpack is that when you're a professional athlete, as I am, yeah. your body is your job. Yeah. Because what your body can do and that I'm, I know that doesn't always mean what it looks like, but sometimes it does mean what it looks like. I imagine that the relationship between coaches and athletes are very intimate. And, you know, if you've got your period, especially if you've got endometriosis or whatever, you know that have to be having those conversations. And I'm not for a second casting any aspersions yeah. or justifying anyone because I agree with you, Jesse. You know the difference between someone. It's like, you know, you go to a doctor. You know the difference when someone is treating you medically and interesting Maddie used the term medically gaslighting which is also interesting Mm. but you know when something's sus like women have really good gut instinct about these things and we have to listen to them and support them and believe them but I feel like a lot of shit can happen under the guise of I just need to know this about you so for example in a lot of the gymnasts who were abused by Larry Nassar they said that he he was so flagrant about it. He would say that the things he was doing to them was to improve their injuries or support their performance. And they believed that because he was in this position of power. Mm. I read this great piece which interviewed Jennifer McMahon, who's a former world champion Australian swimmer, and she has basically said that when coaches tell parents to trust the process, don't trust the process, that There are certain things, so she has some incredible statistics about research tells us that nearly 70% of current athletes are experiencing neglect. Research tells us that over 60% of current athletes are experiencing psychological abuse, with 20% experiencing physical abuse and sexual abuse. And she said that with swimming, there were daily weigh-ins, weekly skin fold testing and what they call non-contact physical abuse, which is when they force you to do extra exercise, like seriously force you to run to lose weight or whatever it is. And I can see that happening under the guise of we want you to almost be like a racehorse. Yeah. And we're investing resources and money into you and you have to pay off, which is actually what's been said about Maddie is like, we invested in you and now you've let us down, which is a disgusting well, way to talk about that's a human. what's interesting about this, isn't it? Is because I wonder if we're seeing a shift in the narrative around we've always the way that we always talk about athletes, and we do this also with other famous people, people who we see as very privileged and being at the top of their game, is we say, you know, it's an absolute honour to swim for Australia or to play for a top-tier AFL team or to play tennis at the Australian Open. It's an absolute honour and you should shut up and suck it up and do whatever it takes. It's not surprising to think that breeding, which you are really having to breed from a very young age, hyper-competition into people and very, very high-level physical performance – 
is not necessarily conducive to positive mental health. Like that is not really surprising, is it? But maybe we're beginning to hear voices from people about what that really feels like. I was really surprised. I was watching You Can't Ask That, that excellent ABC show recently, and they had one with former footballers. And I mostly watched it because I wanted to hear them justify, you know, awful behaviour. But two of the AFL players on it were talking about how during their time playing elite AFL, they both developed severe eating disorders, bulimia. These these are men, obviously. There's uh, Brock McLean and Dan Jackson. And they were both playing at the top level of of AFL and weighing themselves obsessively because they had to, in inverted Mm -hmm. commas, to stay physically fit and that it went on into into full-blown mental illness. And you just think, I'd never even considered that. Like I look at these guys and I go, Oh, you know, they must be in the gym all the time and obviously they are and that's their job, but not thinking about that mental impact. And Mm. now what Maddie's saying about this and swimming, it's kind of the same as you're like, of course, having people continually fine-tuning your body and critiquing it and also wanting to know what's going on inside it and... I mean, it's how do we make that healthy? Isn't that, though, the lot of a professional athlete? I don't mean in her case because she's talking about something different, which is sexual harassment. But if your body is your job, like it's a bit like models, right? You know, some people express surprise that people don't care about models' mental health, people in the industry, and it's all about what they look like. It's like, guess what? you're not being hired for your personality when you're a model. That's the nature of that industry. And that's when you're, you're a vessel. You're yeah, a cog you're a vessel. in a machine that's designed to make money, which is essentially what these athletes are. And so um, sports psychology has some really interesting points to make about this. And when you are your body, which these athletes are, mm. um, that, as you say, is not conducive to good mental health and, in fact, the Andre Agassiz or these incredible athletes have said, I won Wimbledon, I won a gold medal and I still felt like shit. And that's because this isn't going to make you happy. And so there's so much psychological work well, that must make, have to be done. it might make some people happy. It didn't make him happy, but it might make some people happy. Yes, but if you're I, – I think that it's saying that in this environment where you're being critiqued and there's no focus on you and your well-being, mm-hmm. then no external achievement is going to give you that burst of happiness. And so – I do think that hopefully this is a little bit of a reckoning and they can look a bit more closely at how athletes are, are treated to it remember could, that yeah. they're human beings. It, it could, could just be the beginning mm. with Maddie opening this door. Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. The young people are talking about main character syndrome and I think I have it. According to an article by journalist Michelle Santiago Cortez, people who have main character syndrome think life is a movie and embrace the memes that encourage this outlook. So they say things like, you have to start romanticising your life. So it's a departure from reality. What does that even mean? It means basically like looking, looking at your life as though it's 
a plot. And you're Julia and you're Roberts. Exactly right. And so you're walking around and like, how are you going to make this into something interesting and cute? Like that's how people are looking at their lives. Yeah. And it's a departure from reality as well as being an insult that some people use to basically suggest that you're pretty obsessed with yourself. But the first <laughs> meme about main character syndrome came out in May last year, which I think tells us a lot about this perhaps being a reaction to the world falling to shit. So whether you resist or embrace the designation of main character, what's clear, what this article by Michelle Santiago Cortez says, is that during the pandemic, main character memes helped us to accept life's highs and lows as entertaining plot developments and to consider our misfortunes as proof of the importance of our story and to justify indulgence as being key to our hero's journey. Oh, I like that. I that like is, that theory. Isn't it also social media that's okay. turned us oh, yes, all definitely. into the star of our own so narrative? if you're on TikTok or Instagram stories does exactly the same thing. It basically frames you as a main character worthy of sharing the details of your fairly mundane day. So speaking to a camera is something only a main character does. And sometimes I think, I picked up my phone the other day to say something about being an identical twin and I thought, if my nan saw me picking up my camera to speak to my followers about being an identical twin, she would wail. She'd yeah, be she would. So <laughs> horrified, disgusted. My mother would be like, oh, darling, I got to watch you again. It was awesome. <laughs> Aren't you great? Make more of that Make content. Make more of that. I love it. And it's weird because not long ago, this was what only YouTubers were doing. I remember 10 years ago and it would be a makeup tutorial. Now you do one every bloody day. I do day. one. Did anyone ask for it? <laughs> Nobody no, asked for it. you're the main character. <laughs> Holly, I know that me is a main character, but mm. are you a main character? I, look, ever since we read this story and we talked about it in the meeting the other day, I've been obsessed with whether or not I'm a main character. <laughs> That's all I can think about. Or me as sidekick. Because exactly right. <laughs> because what I love about this is there's a TikTok hashtag. Not that I really understand TikTok. Let's not pretend that I do. But there is a main character hashtag that I love because it's just loads of people saying, I'm not a main character. I'm a, and some of them are like, I'm the campy villain who doesn't like children. I'm the funny best friend. I'm the whiny younger sister. And I was like, who am I in this script? Am I the main character? And I was thinking I might be the trusty sidekick. Like I might be. It's true. You are a good trusty sidekick. I I am a bit of a trusty sidekick. But I think it's really interesting because I think we've always, people have always done this, right? Like walk down the street thinking there's a soundtrack and people are looking at you and stuff. But now, as we were just saying, you literally do it. You lit, people literally do it. They go, what's my narrative? What's my character development? Like, who am I? What's my brand? I need a plot point. Exactly. And people literally do it. And it's so interesting. But when we were talking about it in the, Uh, editorial meeting Uh, my first reaction was well it's a bit sad if you're not the main character in your own life right Mm. like whether or not you are a main character presumably in your own life you're always the main character because you you see everything in relation to how it affects you but if you're the main character it probably means you always put yourself in every story as as how it affects their main character too. I don't know anyone like that. (laughs) So it's not just like I'm my main character. It's like I'm also your main character, Jesse, and I'm your main character, Mia, which I'm clearly not, let's be honest. But like so I I think that distinction is interesting. So if you're a main character, does it mean that you go around going, oh, that's an interesting story. 
that happened to me once. Or that's an interesting story, but I don't like how it affects me. You know, like yeah. putting yourself, centering yourself in everybody else's experience. Your plot line is dampening my main character trajectory. Exactly. Mia, Mia. as a main character, <laughs> um, do you think there's a problem with being a main character or are you into it? Or do you think all successful people are main characters? Look, it's now at least I understand the insult that my teenage daughter hurled at me last week when she's like, why do you have to be such a main character? You have main character energy. I didn't understand what she meant and now I do, so thanks for that. I think what's interesting is that, yes, I would agree that everyone should be the main character in their own life and that is about self-care and it's about valuing yourself and all that stuff about you can't love anyone else if you don't love yourself first and you need to complete you and all of those things have taught us that. It's made me think that the reason that I'm struggling so much with my children growing up and away is that even if you don't consider yourself a main character in your own life, you're very much a main character in the life of your children. Yes. And for good reason, because even though they're very self-absorbed, you are the moon and the stars. Mm. And as they get older, you go from being the main character to being a support member of the cast Mm -hmm. to then when they move out of home and leave you become like an extra or or like a character an amusing character actor yeah yeah Yeah. and occasionally you do the occasional cameo as as a guest and you're a little bit kooky and you have a little you move out further and further and further whereas as a mother my children are also the main characters in my life So that hasn't changed. So my children are all my main characters, but I can watch myself lose status as, status is the wrong word, but lose prominence in their lives. You're slipping down the titles. Thank you. You're not anymore above above the the title. I'm not. You're you're like further down. And I think that's a real struggle. For sure. It's a really interesting way to look at that because sometimes I have to remind myself that I'm a main character for my kids. Like I sometimes say things to Brent like, oh, you know that, thing we said to them yeah they're gonna remember that that. or you know this is they're now old enough that when they're one day writing their own narrative arcs they'll be like well my mother was never blah 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 or my mother I sometimes forget that I'm their main character but you're so right is that your your name isn't above the title anymore Mia it's not and there can be a lot of pressure particularly if you even if you've only got one child but of being a main character because it's all on you all the time and you have to be in every scene, you know, and even when you're not physically around, you're still the main character. That's why I always think it's hilarious people who talk about part-time mothers or mothers who are full-time. Like you're always a full-time mother whether you're with your child or not. But, yeah, anyway, I think that's part of why it's hard because you watch yourself – the equivalent of ageing in Hollywood, I suppose. You're, not, you're not, no longer first on do, the Do we think we should fight wanting to be main characters or do we think it's a healthy self-vision? I think it's a little bit healthy, right? Because every film or book starts with a protagonist that's a bit of a mess, that has a bunch of questions. And so what you're thinking is like, I'm on a journey There are going to be some ups and downs. This is my challenge. This is where my self-development comes in. (laughs) Whatever it is, I think This is my love interest. Yes, a way of framing our messy lives as the greatest story ever told because that's deep down what what we all think. And I have such main character syndrome and this is weird when you're a twin because I'll be retelling a story. Claire will be there and I'll be like, I was in the car with my dad and he turned to me and he said, and Claire's like, 
we were in the car with our dad <laughs> and he turned to us and said, she oh. speaks about our memories completely differently. I have like this vision that it where was just I've you. erased Claire from my memories because I want to be a main character. And it's hard to you be a main character. You have to fight to be the main character. Exactly. It's really hard. I would like the outlouders to tell us if they're main characters, but if you're not, who are you? Like I love this idea mm. of like I'm the whiny younger sister. Like I love that idea. I want to know what everybody's character mm. is. I bet we do have quite a lot of main characters in the outlier yeah. <laughs> audience. But if you're not, who are you? Tell us in the Facebook group. We'd love to know. That's the best. It was so great. I loved it. Oh, my God, that's the worst. Sucked. I like talking about bad things. It's time for best and worst. And let's just dive right into Holly because she's got some best news that uh, the Outlouders have been clamouring to hear. They have my best of the week is that we are moving to the country. We are moving to the country. Now, Outlouders know that I've been talking about moving. Well, moving out of our tiny flat for a very long time. In fact, sometimes people just DM me and go, would you just... Almost as long as you spoke about wanting a fringe exactly. or not. I know. I do. I do. It takes me a while. Mm. It takes me a while. Did our life coaching... Yes. Okay. And then, All so right. yeah. a few weeks ago, Outlouders, we had a section about life coaching and I said, I need someone to help me make this big decision the Outlouders stepped into that void. They were there was a poll. They were the life coaches. There was a poll in the Outlouders Facebook group. Many people said, "Move here, move there, whatever." What I loved is that a lot of Outlouders stole. Uh, Jesse will hate this. Stole a line from Gretchen Rubin and said, "When you're faced with two choices, choose the bigger life." That's what oh, lots and lots oh, of people I like said. That. They said. Choose the bigger life. Choose the big thing. That's so American. I know. And See, I, I like to choose the small thing. I chose. Mm. That's so, not a very main character. <laughs> I know. You chose the big so thing. So we chose the big thing. The big difficult we thing. Are, it is official that we are moving to the country in two weeks' time. Oh, my God. It's a tree. Is it a tree it's or a, a sea change? It's a tree change, change close to the sea uh, down the south coast of New South Wales. I will still be. Some people were worried. They were like, stop telling Holly to move because she won't be on the mm. show anymore. Yes, I will. We, these, it's not. It's in commutable distance, but also there's technology. There the, is, it yes. will all be fine. But it's a big move for our family. We're going to live in a house. With like multiple rooms and outside space. Have you started um, to do the packing thing yet? Well, no, because it's my nature to do all of that at the last, last minute. minute. And I'm justifying it to myself by saying we want to keep life as normal for the kids for as long as possible rather than them have, having them live in chaos for mm. too long. Because this is, it's very happy news, but it's difficult for them, right? And particularly Matilda, my 11-year-old, she's she's coming around now, but she doesn't. Have they ever lived anywhere else? No. So both of them were born and brought home to that flat. Oh, wow. They've lived their entire lives in that flat. Brent and I have lived in the suburb. We live in for more than 20 years. Like we, oh, wow. All our roots are there. Our friends are there. It's a big this move. A We're big super move. excited. So that is my best. It's gonna you get out loud as you're gonna be hearing a lot about this. I'm sorry. I'm so like, excited. It's gonna. But my worst is related. So last Friday we went down to see our new house, and you were sending us photos because we yeah. needed to know. Sending photos back yeah. to my um, it was a live recap. To my people, you'd put a bond down. Yes, because we're renting. We're renting here and we're renting there. And yet you hadn't seen we have, it, but we hadn't in seen person. it. Yeah, the photos came through, but then a particular photo came through. Yes. So what happened was, you may remember some Outlouders, you've been listening to uh, Claire Murphy fill in sometimes on Outloud and she's been talking about the mouse plague mm -hmm. in that regional New South Wales. And I was like, well, I'm not going anywhere near that. The first thing I saw in my new house, a mouse. 
Alive or dead? A live mouse. We walked into oh the kitchen God. area and I was like, oh, we're going to put this there. We're going to put that there. And then I said, oh, something moved out of the corner of my <gasps> eye. I looked down. It's a mouse running across the floor to go under the stove. I hate rodents. I don't mind spiders. I don't mind snakes. I don't mind cockroaches. I screamed like a tiny child, ran out Did of the you? house. Luckily, we had our dog with us. LV. <laughs> chased the mouse under the stove and that was good and Brent was coaxing me back into the house and going come and look at the lovely house Holly and I was like there's a mouse in there and Brent was like no the mouse is hiding and I was making a video for the kids so I'm coming in the front door with a video like with my phone going here's the front room here's the thing and Brent's playing along and he's like and here's where you'll put your this and here's where you'll put your that and then we get to the kitchen and Brent just looks down and goes oh Elvie's killed the mouse to scrap that video <laughs> start again so with LV carrying it no so LV just whacked it really hard with her great big staffy paws like poof and then just whacked it again poof and then she was just sitting there with it in her paws like looking at it like what is this thing this is cool and it was dead uh, oh, wow. so so best we're moving to the country worst I may be dealing with mice but very happy news so exciting Jesse Stevens so exciting look this week I was trying to think of a worst and I couldn't, but then I had two bests. So I was like, what I might do is bank my bests because some weeks eight bad things happen and I'd like to talk about them oh, and not is, be forced. I like this side of you. Yes. Two bests, yes. Two bests. So the first best was I went and got a facial last week and I never, ever get facials, but I had a voucher and I was like, oh, I'll go and use it. And I found myself driving there and getting so anxious because the, you know, one time I've got a facial before, they did the thing with the light where they make you look at all your skin damage. Oh, yeah, Have you ever yeah, had to do yeah, that? Yeah. Oh, and they I just go, the UV. Uh, the UV, and they go sun damage, dehydration, oh. oiliness, and they just tear you to pieces and then suggest a 1,000 treatments, yeah, 400 exactly. products, and you walk out spending money you didn't want to spend. And I thought, I wonder if at a place like this, they're going to try and upsell me Botox or filler or they've got all of those treatments. Mm. And I felt very vulnerable. And I walked in and... The main character was feeling very was, vulnerable yeah, about that was facial. My, yes, <laughs> it was my complication yep. on Sunday. She entered the salon. And I entered the salon <laughs> and the lady was lovely and asked me if I wanted water and I was like, yes, because I don't want her to bitch about my dehydrated skin. And then I laid down. She asked what products I used and I thought, oh, she's going to tell me they're all wrong. And she was so lovely. She was like, it looks like you're doing great things for your skin. Your skin's great. She did the treatment. Not one criticism, not one thing of we could do this or you could work on this. Oh, no criticism. That. And then at the end she said, your skin looks beautiful, but it looked beautiful when you came in. Oh, And I thought, that, I love that. is, and I'll go back there. There yes. are other places I'll never go back to because they made me feel... And that's what. Oh, why that. you go and get a facial. It's the same with hair. You know when you go to a hairdresser and they go, it's damaged, you need to do this, and you just feel awful. But I was like, more, you know, people who work in the beauty industry should should do that. So that was a really good experience. And then my other best was on uh, Monday. I woke up to hundreds of messages oh, from Outlouders, right? I was like, well, what has happened? And the Outlouders also listen to another podcast called Chat 10 Looks I don't know Friends. how I feel about that, but it's, if they've got to listen to another one, that one's a good one to listen to. Exactly. Go hard. Exactly. And I'm sure they listened to that before ours. And mm-hmm. so they listened to Chat 10 Looks 3 and Lee Sales started talking about my book. Oh, my God. And she called it unputdownable. Oh, my God. I deprived Lee Sales of sleep, which is just enough to put on the cover. 
and it made my whole week. I listened to it and was just beaming. And I am still getting messages from people being like, did you hear? And I'm like, yes, I did. I did hear. I did hear. I was so, so excited. And Lee Sales wrote Any Ordinary Day, which is one of my favourite books of all time. So to have that kind of endorsement is very exciting. So that made Congratulations. my Congratulations. Well deserved. Thank you. Mia Friedman, how's your week going? It's gone okay. So my best was actually a video um, of a skit from the Jimmy Fallon show, The Tonight Show in America. And it was Jimmy Fallon and Lin-Manuel Miranda from Hamilton. And they did I'll, – uh, I'll play you a little bit of it. Here it is. You say. It's been a full year since you've seen a live show or a play. You cry in the terrible sourdough starter you made to get by. We've gone mad. Remember we've been in containment for hundreds of days. But it's not all bad. In September for your entertainment, Broadway's back. So what the vaccines and science have allowed us is the world is starting to open up again. Jesse, you and I both went to see Come, Come From, From Away, Away this week. Night. It was so good. Time you went last go. night. I went a couple of nights earlier. Holly, you're going in a couple of weeks. I also went and saw Bangara Dance Theatre oh, last wow. night at the Opera House. First time I've been to the Opera House in about two years. And there's a feeling. There's a feeling. And Melbourne's out of lockdown. (gasps) Hamilton's going to Melbourne. The world is opening up again thanks to vaccines because COVID has not gone away. But thanks to vaccines and the more people getting vaccinated, the faster it can open up. But anyway, it just made me so emotional. So they did this version of Broadway's back to You'll Be Back in from Hamilton. And they had all the different... Um, stars of all the big Broadway shows, oh, like so clever. being Evan Hansen and um, Chicago, in a, Chicago yeah. and Hamilton, and uh, I mean a chorus line, every, everything, and a line from King, away, in fact, and come from away, and all these amazing stars, and they're you know dancing and singing, and it also then panned out, and it was the first time Jimmy Fallon had a full studio audience, a full vaccinated studio audience. So now, if people can prove that they're vaccinated, because the talk show hosts have been just doing it alone not without an audience for what almost a year and a half now and so it just felt oh, the world's I, waking up I know? cried too when I yeah, watched I've that like very it was weepy. so hope punk and I just thought it was so hope punk we've got our vaccination sorted out here yeah, yeah. we'll be going on the road too and we also will be back my worst of the week I'm not, I'm not meant to finish on a worst so I've done this in the wrong order anyway we'll let you off um I was going out to get takeaway on Saturday night and I reversed my car into my husband's car, which was parked, and then I panicked and then I drove forward into our garage door, which he just got fixed because I've done that a couple of times already. How did you – were you looking in your rear vision mirror? Did you miscalculate um, space? Like how did you manage to reverse into his car? Look, in my defence, it was parked a little bit across our driveway because it was very – it's very hard. We've only got room for one car in our driveway, in our garage, and he was parked a little bit across our driveway. But there is just no excuse. How did you tell him? Because he wouldn't be happy. He had just gone for a walk. Just as I was debating how to do that, he was just on his way back from a walk with the dog. So he kind of – Busted He he didn't witness it, but I thought he might have, so I just immediately confessed. 
Did you lay on your back like a dog? And do a submit. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Anyway, so I'm still married at the time of this recording, but only barely. Oh. And so now I'm like, I'll organise to get it fixed. And I don't really know how to do that because that's usually part of his mental load. You've got a quick recommendation before we go today. Yeah, in the back of Jesse's recommendation from a week or so ago of Bo Burnham's show Inside, which is the most incredible masterpiece. And the first thing I did after I'd watched it, you can watch it on Netflix, I went to find it on Spotify because I wanted to listen to all the songs and it wasn't there. But yesterday he released it on all the streaming places so you can listen to it like an album and I was listening to it in the car on the way to work today and I was feeling a bit weepy about various things and it made me laugh out loud it was so funny it's so good and you need to go back and watch what and make happy which are the two other ones I'll do that this weekend that is all we have time for on Mamma Mia Out Loud today if you want to catch up on our daily drop bonus episodes it's a good thing to do over the long weekend on Tuesday we talked about what your dentist can tell about you by looking in your mouth and yesterday Mia and I talked about 50 and now lots of people are saying to me you're going to be 50 and I'm like we're not talking about this let's move on anyway if you want to listen to those download the Mamma Mia app and click on the M plus icon to sign up and find out more about it this episode is produced by Emma Gillespie the executive producer of Mamma Mia Out Loud is Eliza Ratliff and we'll see you on that app bye bye Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation we pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures